guess you can hear me. Okay. Um, I know you said for August, no one's going to show up now if you tell them I'm teaching. <laughs> no, I do better whenever we sit and it's one-on-one and we pull. And it's kind of like with anyone, it's more personal and you just and you just start flowing and it comes out. Sometimes when I get up here, I get like a deer in a headlight and I look at somebody and I'm like, oh, forget where I'm going. And that's why. Sometimes it comes out and sometimes it doesn't. But I appreciate you all bearing with me. and um, But I do encourage you on a Wednesday because it's just fellowshipping it's it's more it's personal and uh, that's that's how we started this is how we were going and going and going and that's part of the thing that we love to do but um I went to the eye doctor and (laughs) it's funny he said well you know I hadn't been in five years and he said you know your vision has changed dramatically in five years I'm like you're telling me it has and I'm thinking spiritual and so you know and because things that you think you see it's change, and I'm not saying that degrading my eyes. One thing got better, so I get to get new glasses, so that's praise God. I'm like, hey, well, how'd that happen? How do I have this, and then now I don't have a little stigmatism. He said, well, it's not there, so I'm like, well, praise God, so, you know, so I get to get new ones, and so I get new glasses, and so how grace works when you look through the scripture with, I want you to, you know, how our journey is, how we see things, how our vision is, we start to see things differently, and just want you to put the goggles of grace on and start seeing, and when you're teaching on the gifts, that's good, and, you know, it's hopefully, it's helping you adjust your vision a little bit when you go in and, and, and at home and look at scripture, and I just want to tell you a little thing that how it happened with me, and I know you keep saying, oh, you know, talking about tongues and all that stuff, because, you know, our backgrounds were different. I was a Baptist person, and I was Methodist. I mean, I was all these things. I, I called myself a mutt, and, you know, all of that, and then my mother-in-law, Kim, you know, my daughter's grandmother and father-in-law, and got into Daddy Hagen and all those things, and so I didn't know anything about the gifts of the Spirit. I didn't know anything about praying in the Spirit. I didn't know anything about that. But I I was so hungered for that because I thought, well, I know they're not crazy. You know, I know, you know, I know they're good people. You know, I know that. So it has to be in there. And just like a kid, because, you know, once you start going to a church, you know, and it was a little different. And this was years ago. And just like a kid, and we didn't have phones, we didn't have the internet like that. Um, I just looked in my Bible and in my concordance, and when you ask Holy Spirit, he, and you really want to know, he's going to be there for you to show you. And I just literally, because I'm a, you know, I'm, a, I'm real particular, because I'm like, well, I don't want to just because somebody's saying, I want to see where it is in the scripture. So I literally opened my concordance, and I looked at tongues, that I didn't know what, and, and it was in there, several places of it. Not Old Testament, but New Testament. I'm like, why have I never heard this, you know? And so, and I thought, well, I, and I want, I want that. I mean, I think I could do that. And then she called, well, watch this person, this person. And I remember watching, I don't know who it was. It might have been Creflo maybe, or, or um, I, don't, I don't know, Jesse, maybe Duplantis. But so, and about praying in the spirit. And, you know, you don't, know, and, and so here's where my goggles have adjusted. See, at that time, I thought it had to be somebody had to lay hands on you and all those things. And it's not either or, it's all the above. I'm not saying that that can't happen that way. It can, but I'm also saying that if you want, you just, you just ask Holy Spirit to reveal. Because it's like, once you know grace and once you know the finished work and it's already done, it's like, I'm just going into my bank account and pulling out what I already have. 
you know. I already had Holy Spirit in me in that ability. I didn't know that. So I was awakened to that. So I asked, I was like, I want to do that. So I just took a shower, and I just started praying, and you have to open your mouth, and I just started doing it. And I'm telling you, there was a clarity. There was a change from that point on. And then you start learning. But, you know, there's the gift of tongues, and then there's your prayer language. And a lot of people, and what I was told was that tongues is only for when you're, like, maybe in another country, and you get the opportunity to preach the gospel, and they'll understand you. And that happened, you know. But then in Acts chapter 2, after that, it kind of falls apart because in chapter 10 in Cornelius's house, they all spoke the same language. Well, why'd they have to speak praying tongues? They all spoke the same language. Because Paul, in teaching in Corinthians, had the gifts, and then he had your personal edification when you go on into chapter 14. And just some of the scriptures that I went to in Jude one twenty, or Roman Romans eight twenty six, Ephesians six eighteen. I was just writing those down off of reference. You know, Jude building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. You know, because he was saying, well, in Jude he was talking about divisions of people, but they didn't have the Spirit. He says, but you, beloved, have the Spirit, and if you're, you 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 have the Spirit, so you can pray in the Holy Spirit. You can pray in this Holy Spirit. So building yourself up, edifying yourself. Romans 8, 26, the Spirit helps in our weaknesses. We don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself helps us with things that we don't understand, with groanings and stuff. So I might not know how to pray for a person, so I'm going to start praying in the Holy Spirit. And it's not out of order because I'm not talking or ministering to you, but I'm talking to God to reveal to me how I can pray for you and something might be revealed and I might get a word of knowledge for you. So that's the importance of that. It's not crazy. It's not crazy at all. Ephesians 6.18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Well, I don't know all the saints. Do you know all the saints? I don't. I know you guys. I know our little area, but I might, you know, in the morning, I might be praying for somebody I don't even know, you know? And so it's just an important thing. Um, It's not formulaic. It's personal edification. It's another form of meditation for me. It opens my mind. It gives me clarity when you come in and we just ask for you to pray. And I know we haven't done it, but, you know, I know we miss that. And so we have to start, you know, we're not going to teach you Z before we teach you A. We were so caught up in grace and the finished work just to get you out of those bondages of grave clothes, of works and performance to earn your righteousness. And now we're going to start moving into, hey, you know what else you have in that? You have this bank account of things you already have. You have your healing. You have that. You have Holy Spirit. And I don't have to lay hands on you now. If that's where you are and you think I have to, I can't. We can do that. But you just just ask him. Just like, you know, I. I didn't know I had that, Lord. I want to be able to pray in the Spirit because some people think, well, it's a gift. Well, I don't have that gift. Well, you might not have the gift of tongue to edify for all the saints in a service, but you have your personal Holy Spirit prayer language that's going to benefit you, that's going to help edify you. And you should be doing, you ought to be doing it because that's going to open your mind, give you clarity. Do you think I'm up here on my own knowing, I mean, I'm who am I? And he's giving me stuff to say. I mean, this is what he does. He give you, you know, you're going to say something that, did I really say that? You know, it's like, no, he, well, he, you did, but he helped you. He gave you clarity on that. So that, that's my little journey. And just as a kid, that's how he deals with me. It's real simple. It's real basic. And then you just move on and then it keeps going. And so I just wanted to encourage you all that you all have the Holy Spirit because you are in the spirit. You are. And so you can do it. 
That's the difference. So you know you can teach on the other stuff. <laughs> Did you want me to? Oh, you want me to? Okay. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day, God. We just love you. We honor you and we praise you. Thank you for the gift of Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, that you've given us our comforter, our helper, our guide, someone that can help us pray when we don't know what to pray. Thank you, Father, that when we do pray that you clear our mind, you give us clarity, you give us wisdom, you give us unctions that we don't know that we might do or not do and holy spirit helps us and we just thank you father unblock whatever might be blocking someone's mind to think that they do not are not able to pray in their prayer language or in the holy spirit father help them lead them guide them open their ears open their eyes open their hearts to receive the word that's going to come forth that they may be able to accept and receive and be awakened to their righteousness and be awakened to what they already have in jesus name Amen. Good stuff. Get your Bibles out, your smart devices, whatever you're going to use this morning to read the scriptures. As you're doing that, uh, I wanted to acknowledge uh, a man of God in the house who's given his life to missions work. I just had the privilege of meeting Keith during basketball season, and he introduced me to his father, Brad. And Brad is here today. He's been a missionary to Venezuela. And they attended this church before, right, Keith? Uh, it was Grace Evangelical Free years ago. They attended that uh, that congregation that met here. And it's Grace Life Church now, and they're here visiting this morning. And uh, would you just welcome them and honor them and his call to the ministry and what he's sacrificed many years as a missionary. And we appreciate that gift. Thank you for being here. We're in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter. If you'll go to 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, verse 4. Then we'll journey over to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, where our series has been based out of, and we've been looking at the manifestations of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the, the workings of miracles, gifts of healings, just the different uh, things that Paul lists there that are manifestations of the Spirit. But in chapter 1, verse 4, Paul is talking to the Corinthians, uh, they have been accused of being very carnal. A lot of others who have believed are criticizing the Corinthians because they have a lot of baggage. Uh, go back and listen to week one about the history of Corinth and how it was established. But Paul starts off and says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God. And underline that word grace in your Bibles. Make a note in your phone there, the grace of God that has been given to you by Christ Jesus. That just review for review sakes, that word grace there in the Greek is kairos. It means touched by God and it brings with it an empowering and enabling and an equipping for us to operate in the supernatural dimension. Every one of the manifestations and gifts listed in 1 Corinthians 12 are supernatural. None of them are natural. If one is natural, they all are natural. But because one is supernatural, they are all supernatural. And it is as the Holy Spirit wills that He gives them and distributes them to the body of Christ. Now, when these gifts are manifested, these manifestations always are outward. It gives you something to see, something to hear, and something to experience. The kingdom of God is invisible. 
It's an invisible kingdom. It's within. We don't see it all of the time, but when it does manifest, there is always something to see, always something to hear, and always something to encounter. Just nod your head and say yes or no. <laughs> you can receive it if you want to. Verse 5, 1 Corinthians 1 he said, this grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus has now enriched you. That word enriched is the wealth that cannot be tabulated. It's abundant. It's vast. And our Father has enriched us with everything in all utterance and in all knowledge. In all utterance, He's going to take that, grab that wealth of, that he's enriched us with and take it all the way over to chapter 12 and he's going to mention three manifestations that are utterances. They're vocal. He's enriched us in everything. And then verse 6 says, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed among you. Think it's important for us to see that the testimony of Christ was confirmed among them we know, according to chapter 12, verse 7, that the manifestations of the Spirit are for the profit of all, and it points to and proclaims Jesus as Lord. We see that in 1 Corinthians 12. That means that Christ was confirmed among the Corinthians because the graces of God were being manifested through the Corinthians in spite of their luggage that they were carrying around because he tells them that they, they once were, but they now are sanctified, washed, justified, cleansed. This word confirmed means that they have solidified and made unshakable and fully secure Christ among them. We got one amen. Verse 7, so that you can that so that you come short in no gift. King James says that you are lacking in no gift. When we come together, as the body of Christ, slow down, Jamie. When we come together, we're not lacking in any gift. The body of Christ, the Spirit distributing as He wills in community, we're not lacking in any gift. Eager, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 8, who will also confirm you to the end, that word confirm again, make solid, unshakable, and fully secure. Who confirms you? Christ confirms you. Who makes you fully secure till the end? This word end here is telos. It's not Tesla, it's telos. And that word telos in the Greek means, now, the end here is not doom and death and destruction and the world's all going to burn up and when that end comes, no, that the word end here is a Greek word that means one stage at a time till, until you get to full strength. Mature. Can I? Here's an illustration. Anybody like Pirates of the Caribbean? And you see oh, uh, Jack Sparrow, Johnny Depp take that telescope and he extends it until it's fully extended and then he can see. That's the picture of this. It's one stage at a time until full strength of maturity is given and you can see, just as Lisa said, her vision's different five, than it was five years ago. 
That's that telescopic lens being extended in order to see fully what God has intended for you when it comes to the manifestations of the Spirit. We have categorized for teaching's sake these manifestations into three groups. We've talked first of all about the manifestations that reveal something, revelation, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits, week one. If you haven't watched it or listened to it, go back and grab it. It will encourage you. Last week, we investigated those revelations that do something, their power in them, faith, gifts of healings, plural, and the working of miracles, and we discussed the difference in gifts of healings and miracles. Again, go back out there on our YouTube channel or Facebook page, and this morning, we are going to uh, really consider the manifestations of grace that say something, vocal utterances. So go to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, verse number 10. Has this helped anybody? Are you learning anything? Should be bringing us growth in our spiritual walks so that we can know when and how to operate when these things are manifesting in our life. Verse 10, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits. We've covered those this morning. To another diverse kinds of tongues. Now in my Bible, in the New King James here and in the King James, the word divers is uh, italicized. Is that italicized in anyone else's Bible there? Or have a little number beside it? Which means that that was not in the original language. This is an interpolated passage because later in the chapter, um, Paul refers to them as diversities of tongues. And so to try to help, when they were translating, they brought that diversities up and they used diverse kinds, but it's really not in uh, the original language there in the writing. Uh, and so it's just various or kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. So we've got prophecy, tongues, and the interpretation of tongues as manifestations of God's grace in the life of the believer. Are we on solid ground? Okay. Let's look at prophecy. Prophecy is the supernatural ability to speak in behalf of the Father, to speak in advance of a situation, and to assert the mind of our Father to others in order, according to 1 Corinthians 14, 4, the mind and the heart of the Father ministers to the ones that we are speaking prophecy to, edification, exhortation, and comfort. Do you see it there on the screen? So it's a supernatural ability. It's not a natural ability. It's the Holy Spirit giving as He wills, and then when... That utterance is given um, either publicly or privately to someone. It can be in advance of a situation. And if it is in advance of, of a situation that the Lord has given a word of wisdom about, then it's going to bring edification, exhortation, and comfort. If it's to someone in the midst of a situation, it's going to be for edification, exhortation, and comfort. A prophecy, please hear me. A prophecy in the Old Testament is not the same as a prophecy in the New Testament. 
If by necessity there was a change in the law and there was a change in the priesthood, there's a change in the operation because in the Old Testament, the, they did not have an indwelling spirit. The spirit came upon them in special occasions in a special way. And then that's why David prays, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. He wants the presence of God with him always. But he was able to see into and says, blessed is the man whose sin is not imputed unto him and whose presence is not taken from uh, the believer. We always have Holy Spirit with us, never leaving us or forsaking us. But in a special ability to speak a prophecy, it is uh, a word that will bring edification, exhortation, and comfort. So let's look at each of these words because they are different yet similar. The word edification, wikodema, uh, means to build someone up, helping them to stand. What are we doing when we come to gatherings together in fellowship is to encourage one another or edify. So if I see a brother or a sister who is down, then I'm going to help them stand back up, and that is prophecy. Um, it, it means to build someone up. They could be discouraged because of uh, economic crisis in their life. They could have relational issues going on. And sometimes you can see it on their face. Other times the Holy Spirit will give you a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. Remember a word of wisdom brings direction for the future and a word of knowledge gives you a part of God's knowledge about a person, place, or thing. There's things that I don't know about you, but the Holy Spirit can give a word of knowledge that when that word of knowledge is given, now I know you're in a particular situation, then I begin to prophesy, help you get back up on your feet and build you up. It's really a picture of an edifice. It's a building that's being built up. And you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, not built by hands, but we need to be edified and encouraged and help stand firm again. Can you see that picture? Okay, exhortation. Periclesis. An intimate call that someone personally gives to deliver Father's verdict in a matter. It reveals how the Lord weighs in with relevant evidence when in operation, this manifestation is used by the Holy Spirit to directly motivate and inspire believers to carry on and to carry out. It's an urging or a nudging. So as the Holy Spirit gives this prophecy, this special call to deliver the Father's message to someone, in exhortation, you're going to have relevant information and evidence that will be pertinent to that individual that they will know that it only came from God to build them up and to help them carry on and to carry out the plan of God in their life. So you, you Will may know and he sensed something in his spirit from the Father that he's supposed to do but he's really just hasn't had that nudge to be give confirmation to push him on into doing what Father's called him to do. And then AJ gets a word and he goes back to him and he begins to exhort him and he, it helps him be motivated and inspired to carry on and carry out the plan of God for his life. That's prophecy.
And then lastly, it brings comfort. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, but it's on the screen. <laughs> I, I, I have trouble with English, saying some words in English. But this is with a greater degree of tenderness in order to console. It's when you are close beside to use soothing speech, comforting, showing sympathy with encouragement. Bottom line, it's supernaturally cheering someone up with a personal word and touch. That's what it means to comfort. When you go to a wake to visit the family of someone whose loved one has passed on, you should be prophesying to them. What? Comforting. Saying it with tenderness and a soothing speech, cheering them on and cheering them up, encouraging them in and through their grieving process but it's not just for death. Some people need comforted because they've had a hard week. Some need comforted because they don't have enough money in the bank to pay the bills that are coming up this week. See, there's a lot of things that we're going through and some things we can see on people's faces they've shared with us, but when the word of knowledge and word of wisdom and the discerning of spirits is in operation, then it can lead to prophecy because we can all prophesy. Thus, to prophesy, it is a spirit-prompted, spirit-sustained, supernatural utterance that's rooted in truth and revelation that builds others up to help them stand. It motivates and inspires them to carry on, and it ministers comfort, cheering someone up. I don't know how... how how more simple that it can be. We can prophesy through a spirit promptedness and not be a prophet. Read 1 Corinthians 14, are all prophets? No. But Paul says, desire spiritual gifts and not, uh, most of all that you would prophesy. Building each other up. Let's move on. Well, before I do, thank you Holy Spirit for that reminder. There is a difference between Old Covenant prophecy and New Covenant prophecy. Study Zechariah, the 12th chapter, and the 13th chapter. When you see chapter 12, you're going to see doom and gloom and destruction. And then in chapter 14, Zechariah says, through the lips of the Lord, his lips by the Lord, that this type of prophecy is ceasing. That there will be no more prophecy of doom and gloom and judgment, that the judgment, the pending judgment that was coming, then he begins to talk about the day of the Lord. To me, the day of the Lord was when Christ was crucified. He finished the work. That, to us, to him, it was the terrible day. Look at the suffering that he went through. The terrible day of the Lord. Now, I, I'm not telling you that you have to believe that with me, but you do need to believe Place your faith in what was accomplished at the cross, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the blood of Christ for the salvation of all the sins of the world. But any prophecy that would bring doom, gloom, devastation, destruction, death 
is old covenant prophecy. Now, these are the words of the Lord through the lips of Zechariah. And one who prophesies in that manner, his parents should be thrust through with a sword. That's how um, important, how much emphasis that God was putting on that there would be no more old covenant prophecy when Christ had come. Now, in the new covenant, under the terms and the conditions of the new covenant, where there's a better blood with better promises and a better way, we don't prophesy doom and gloom. We prophesy for edification, exhortation, and comfort, and I told you what those words mean. There's no doom and gloom in that. However, stay with me, a word of knowledge may come that brings warning to a person about a situation that God, once He reveals it to you, wants you to pray and make wise decisions to avoid that situation. That's the Holy Spirit out in front of us, leading and guiding us. And I can guarantee He say, now you can go that way if you want, but if you'll follow me, you're going to avoid all of that stuff over there. That's a word of knowledge. That's not prophecy. And that still doesn't have doom and gloom attached to it. It has warning attached to it that brings the end result, if we follow that word, of joy, comfort, and excitement and encouragement. That's good preaching. Diversities of tongues. The delivering of a public message from the Father in a supernatural language as Holy Spirit gives utterance, conveying the heart of the Father to the church. This is a supernatural utterance given by the Holy Spirit in an unlearned language, not understood by the mind of the speaker. That When this is going on, it's bypassing the mind of the speaker and coming through the lips of the speaker, given by the unction of the Holy Spirit, and it has nothing to do with natural linguistic ability. Remember, it's supernatural. It's a vocal miracle. The Greek word for tongues is glossa. And it's an uncertain affinity, a language not naturally acquired. Um, Lisa alluded to it in Acts 2. There's miracles taking place of them speaking in tongues. And there's a miracle taking place of everyone. And it lists about 12 different nationalities and ethnicities that were present in Jerusalem that all had different dialects and they all heard in their own language. Now stay with me. If that was Chinese, Japanese, Korean, French, Spanish, and that's what you believe that those men were speaking in tongues with, that because there were different languages present, that is completely disbunked when you get to Acts the 10th chapter because they all spoke the same language in Cornelius' house and they still spoke in tongues. So it is an unlearned and it has no natural linguistics to it. This is especially prominent in the New Testament. Now watch. Were, were there miracles in the Old Testament? Yes or no? Okay, thank you for responding verbally. Were there miracles and healings that took place? Words of wisdom, words of knowledge in the Old Testament. Prophecy 
Yes. Discerning of spirits. Yes. Tongues. Mark the 16th chapter, verse 17. Jesus said, These signs shall follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons and they will speak with new tongues. This is a prominent new covenant um, manifestation of the graces of God. Now tongues giving pub, given publicly must operate in conjunction with another manifestation called the interpretation of tongues. Take a breath and stop. How many of you grew up believing that this type of manifestation was not for today's generation? You grew up in that environment. Okay. Several. How many of you grew up in an environment that it was heavily emphasized? Tongues, interpretation, it was, you were charismatic, you, you believed in tongues and all this stuff. How many of you didn't hear much about teaching either way on it growing up? Most of us. Paul starts out chapter 12 with, Brother, not have you not be ignorant or unlearned concerning spiritual things. That's why he teaches us. That's why he's bringing this out to us. That's why I believe it's important, as Lisa said, we've been a, a grace-based, spirit-filled church from the beginning, but it's time that we start operating in the gifts of the Spirit. Come on, nod your head. You need to be operating in the gifts of the Spirit. Not just in a public worship service. This is like where we come to practice. So you can mess up and get a little correction so that when you go out into the world, you're, you're confident that you, that gift can be in operation. It is not a translation. When I, I've been to Mexico 31 times. I've taught in the Bible college in Ghana. I've been to Haiti. I've been to Africa. Uh, you know, I've been to a lot of places. And every place that I went to preach the gospel, here's the language. I had an interpreter. Yeah, kinda. But it was more as he was translating English into that language. If someone would get up and give a word publicly this morning in tongues and it lasted two and a half minutes and had 420 words in it, the interpretation could be two seconds long with one word. Because it's an interpretation, it's not a translation. It's a supernatural interpretation given by Holy Spirit. It is the ability to understand and comprehend the supernatural message that was given in tongues. And it is to impart the message that was given in tongues into a natural language so that we can understand it. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 14, when tongues is given and an interpretation goes along with it, it's equal to prophecy. In other words, it will edify, build up, and comfort the church. That's 1 Corinthians 14, 5. He says, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. I got something from this scripture this week. It is not out of order for the one that gives a tongue to interpret the tongue. It says it right there. Now, I believe and I've seen it operate and it gives more confirmation when someone else interprets what has been said, but it's not out of order if I speak in tongues to give that interpretation. 
Um, I was in a service one time, and there was a word given in tongues, and I thought I knew what it was, but AJ mentioned a little bit ago, we just need that nudge to get through that fear of embarrassment or or whatever it was. And so my mentor turns to me, and he says, interpret. I just needed that little nudge to get over the edge because I felt I knew what was going on. Then the utterance came forth of that interpretation, and it edified and ex- gave exhortation and comfort to the church. So, what is the difference between speaking in tongues, giving a public message, and a prayer language? Please open your Bibles or your smart devices so that you will see the Scripture and not hear only what I'm saying to you, that you know that it's written on the pages of 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter, verses 2 and verse 4. It will be on the screen if you don't have one with you. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Please see that. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. Go to verse 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself but he who prophesies edifies the church. Now, we just told you if a tongue is given publicly and there is an interpretation, it is equal to prophecy. But a one that is speaking in tongues, not to God, but not to men, edifies himself. So we must understand that this is different than the tongue given publicly, because if I give a tongue publicly, I am speaking to men, and with an interpretation, it edifies the body. Are you tracking with me? When a Christian becomes aware or awakened to the fact that they already possess Holy Spirit, it comes at different times for different people. See, I believe that when you received Christ, Just like the song said this morning, he didn't give you a piece of himself. He didn't tease you with a taste. He gave you all of himself. There's no good thing that he has withheld from them who believe. He gave you all of it. When I bought these nice dress shoes, I didn't buy the tongue separately. They came with it. So you have Holy Spirit when you believe. You will be awakened to different things and some are aware of it instantly, and there is a tongue that flows. Some get it later on when they're aware of it and awakened to it, and there's all types of denominational verbiage that's been given to that. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, infilling of the Holy Spirit, second work of grace, there's all types of terminology. And that doesn't matter to me where you are in your journey and what you want to call it. You have Holy Spirit, and He has given you a language to pray in, and when you are praying, if I ask Randy to come right now and pray, and he would begin to pray, he's not talking to you. As he begins to pray, I mean, the the model prayer is to pray to the Father in Jesus' name. So you are talking to God. It wouldn't matter if he was talking in English or in a heavenly language, a glossa, It would be talking to God and it doesn't have to be interpreted if it's in tongues. He or she who receives this power and ability to speak in tongues can use it at any time he or she wishes. 
I can pray in the Spirit anywhere, anytime I have the ability to turn it on and to turn it off. But when a tongue is given publicly, it's by the Holy Spirit as He wills and it comes with an unction. So it's different in the way that I can't just start giving you a, a tongue right now to prophesy to you unless the Spirit would give the utterance and lead in that with an interpretation. But if I begin to pray right now, I can pray in the Spirit right now. I can pray in the Spirit in the shower, in the truck, on the job, at Walmart. I can just begin to pray in the Spirit. So, when Lisa or myself or our leaders say, let's all pray in the Spirit, open up your mouth and begin to pray in the Spirit. Well, I don't have it. Yes, you do. Open up your mouth. He will fill it. What? Uh, where's Maverick? Is he still here? The little baby, he's, what, three, four weeks old? He's cooing and making sounds. Okay. As an infant, you might just have a few sounds that come out of your mouth. But as you grow in the Lord, as an infant would grow, you'll start saying words, then you'll start saying phrases, then you'll have sentences, then you can pray in the Spirit continually. That is something that we encourage in the body of Christ at Grace Life. Because... I, if I'm praying in English, sometimes I, I don't pray as I ought. So I've got to pray in the Spirit. I've got to be, uh, it will give a petition to me. Like Lisa said, I don't know all the saints, but if I pray in the Spirit, Holy Spirit can be interpreting that and taking that to the Father and bringing His blessings on people that I don't even know that are saints. The Bible tells us in several places that we should make use of this ability as often as possible. Lisa gave you some scriptures. It edifies your inner man. The difference is that when you are praying in the Spirit, it benefits you. But when the Spirit is speaking through you in a tongue, it benefits the body. Because all the gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, all the manifestations of the Spirit are for the profit of all. In the prayer language, uh, you are the one that usually initiates it. I'm the one that always initiates it when I'm praying in the Spirit. But in this, the gift or the manifestation of tongues, the Holy Spirit is the one initiating it. In the prayer language, you are talking to God. In the spiritual manifestation, God is talking through you to the people. Do you see these differences? Want us to understand because some of you may have confusion and I say let's all pray in the Spirit or let's all pray in our prayer language. You think that has to be interpreted and it shouldn't be done publicly. No, you're not talking to others around you. You are talking to the Heavenly Father whether it's done in your seat or it's done in the microphone or it's done wherever. Let me see where I am. In the prayer language you are encouraged to do it all the time and in the spiritual manifestation, you only do it as the Spirit tells you. Frank, if you'll come. And again, in the prayer language, no interpretation is needed or expected because God is the intended audience and He already understands you. But when the manifestation gift is in operation, it cannot be understood without an interpretation. Now, again, this is not an exhaustive list or lesson that includes everything about manifestations that do something, manifestations that say something, and manifestations that reveal something. This is, was a foundational 
elementary teaching to make you aware so that you can go to these scriptures and you can begin to ask the Holy Spirit to teach you because He is our teacher and our guide. But our goal was to present this to you, number one, to let you know some of the things that we are saying continually in our public worship service, that you'll understand those. But secondly, to know what you have available to you for your own benefit to build up your most holy faith. I use this at the end of the last two messages, and I'm going to use it this morning at the end of this message as you stand to your feet. 2 Timothy, the first chapter, verses 6 and 7. It's on the screen as I've written it out from the interlinear Greek. And Paul is encouraging Timothy. I have to go go back and grab the the verse that's going to be after this when I'm done because it makes total sense in context. But he says, for this reason, I remind you to rekindle afresh and anew, to fan the flame, to stir up the embers of that fire that remains in you, to gain strength and the zeal of grace, charisma, that divinely empowers you as a believer to share, to work, and to serve others. It is the grace of God which is in you by the laying on or the conveying of encouragement and revelation of my hands and last week I demonstrated yes it can be the laying on of hands but it is the laying on of hands come on brother be encouraged stir up the gift that brings encouragement and exhortation and comfort in the context the very next verse Paul says for God has not given you the spirit of fear why don't we stir up the gift because there's fear But he's not given us that spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. So I'm encouraging you to stir up the gift, fan the flame, encourage one another, and then get into the scriptures and begin to meditate on it and consume it and let Holy Spirit teach you. We're going to make room. So I would encourage you, kneel, sit, stand, come to the front. But as this worship song is ministering, you just begin to pray in the Spirit, sing in the Spirit. It says that in 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter 2, we can sing in the Spirit. And let's see what Holy Spirit wants to manifest over the next few minutes. I will make-